All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. So I've seen commercials where, you know, Houston Methodist, since I'm here in Houston, they are doing some robotic surgery for brain surgery and stuff like that. But Dr. Davis is here to talk about how they are using that same robotic surgery in orthopedics and hip and joint knee replacements, things like that. And so I'm really interested in, and I'm interested in how that affects the athletic trainer and how an athletic trainer can take part in something like this in this new wave of orthopedic surgery. Um, and so Dr. Jeff Davis has performed over 500 hip surf resurfacing procedures using the striker Mako system, utilizing highly advanced robots to assist the in the procedures and to personalize total knee, partial knee, and total hip replacements. So Dr. Davis, before we get any further, my 10-year-old son wanted to know, are you doing surgery on robots or using robots to do surgery? We are not doing surgery on the robots. <laughs> so uh, I, would, I would be lost pretty quickly if I tried to do that. But uh, we're using the robots to assist us uh, in the surgery. The uh, robot is a tool and it's, it's not a robot that you think of a robot. It doesn't look like a person or it's a robotic arm. And it, it, we just, we utilize that for uh, the, the surgery to assist. So it's not, it, it's, to, it's to assist us in surgery. It's not, not really to do the whole case for sure. All right. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash robotic surgery. Of course, I'm the host, Jeremy Jackson. And so that's kind of where I want you to continue is I want to want you to paint me a picture. Tell me a little bit more about what it looks like, um, the whole procedure, the, the uses behind it. So let's just get into how are robots being used for orthopedics? Well, first, first, I want to say something about what you, the introduction, I appreciate the introduction, but uh, I, I don't use this for the, the hip resurfacing. That's a whole separate uh, procedure. Um, we do hip resurfacing in um, young male athletes that uh, for to allow them to continue to participate in sports. Um, it's not as common commonly performed now as it used to be. So, but it, we do not use the robot for that. It's it's a it's a separate uh, procedure. But it's a it's a good tool for for athletes. that have been a few professional athletes that have had it done actually um, and, and gotten back to participating in professional athlete athletics. And so that it is a good procedure for certain subpopulation, but for the, the robot, a robot's used in um, orthopedic surgery. Uh, it came late to that. I mean, it was used in other surgeries before um, it's been used in spine uh, for a while. So that's one orthopedic application is spine surgery. And it's mostly to guide uh, placement of uh, screws and things in the back. Uh, and, and for joints, um, it's been tried, navigation and robotics have been tried for about 20, a little over 20 years now. Um, but as, as in the rest of the world, the technology, it takes a while for the technology to, to catch up with the application. Um, and so over time, the uh, software has improved, the, the uh, hardware of the robot has improved. And so now it's primarily used for, uh, other than spine, it's primarily used for hip and knee replacement. I think there's gonna be some application going forward for shoulder replacement, ankle replacement, and uh, maybe even ACL surgery. But uh, for now it's usually, it's used for uh, 
total hip arthroplasty, for total knee arthroplasty, and for partial knee replacement, both uh, patellofemoral arthroplasty, medial unicompartmental arthroplasty, and lateral unicompartmental arthroplasty. Um, as far as how it's used, the um, it, again, it's a, it's a tool, it's an arm that um, is controlled. Uh, it has six degrees of freedom, and so it, it moves. You, you pre-program it to move in certain ways, and then you, you register the bone at the time of surgery so that uh, it knows where the bone is in space. You have a CT scan performed before the surgery to have a pre, pre-plan and have an idea of what the anatomy is like. And those, uh, the, uh, the system puts that information together to allow you to, to utilize the, the tool of the robot to, to make for the hip replacement. It, it puts the, the cup in the, the proper position and uses and reams certain ways. For the knee, it puts the, the cuts, the saw blade in, in the perfect position for, for what you're trying to gain. So that's kind of how it's used. You mentioned there is a CT scan before. Is there is there constant imaging during the procedure to, um, I guess, to ensure that? Or I mean, I'm not an expert in total yeah. knee or hip or any of that, but sure. Is there imaging throughout? So we don't. We one of the beauties of this for for hip replacement, we don't we don't have to use X-rays. You still can to confirm things, and we do um, at times, but uh, it, it so it's less radiation, um, so you don't have to X-ray. But it's 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 what's called imageless uh, surgery, at least for the, the one that I use. I mean, there are some that require more imaging um, technology too. But the for the Mako system that we use, it, uh, it does not require any X-ray during the surgery. You you use it again based on preoperative planning, uh, preoperative CT scan, and then then the the registration that you do of the bone during the surgery. The uh, computer uh, registers the bone, knows where it is, and so then it knows where to, to utilize the tool of the robot. I gotcha. All right. Um, so you mentioned a lot of arthroplasty or joint replacement type stuff. Is this being currently being used for, um, I guess, sports medicine, like for ACL or meniscus or things like that? Uh, it, it is not. I think the the plan is. Is to is to try to get it to where you can uh, utilize it for tunnel placement for um, anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction. Uh, I don't know that it's it will. I don't think there's a plan to use for meniscal surgery, but for certainly uh, going forward for osteotomies or, or ACL reconstruction uh, things like that around the knee, particularly. I mean, I think there is there is a place for that, um, and there is uh, there is work on the. App, that application, but to my knowledge, it's not not been used as yet. I got you. All right, and then you, you mentioned it's um, robot-assisted surgery. So uh, one thing, I mean, I can just picture in my mind is essentially you have something strapped to your arms and you're just slightly moving your arms around and it does like that. Is, is that kind of how it works or is it basically you're standing there, press a button and then move this stuff around, press a button again? No, so the uh, again, it's it's a it's a robot arm. So it, it's a um, it's a device that has something that comes comes out like an arm, but it has freedom to move in in all in six degrees of freedom. It can rotate. It can the angles change, and and so 
um, it it is controlled by the surgeon. It's not it, there. Although autonomous surgery is on the horizon, um, it's not not been done yet. It's it's all at this point still uh, controlled by the surgeon, and so you you power it on, and uh, you're the one that presses the button to make it go and and take your hand off the button to make it stop. And it, it just, it puts it, you in a certain spot or certain angle or certain plane and it stays there. That's the advantage of it. Um, but no, it's, it's not, it's not autonomous at all. You, you, you have complete control of it. And, um, and then it, there's a screen that, that shows you where you are on the bone while you're doing it. So that, that uh, you know exactly how deep you are when you're reaming the acetabulum or where you are, where the saw blade is, when you're trying to cut the the uh, the knee for the uh, for the total knee, so it's all it's all done by the surgeon. It's and so it's a it's a, again it's a single arm device uh, that just is able to move in a lot of different directions. Gotcha. I do. I watch some or I, I watch a lot of woodworking videos. You know, like a um, now I can't even think the router the um, router table things. I, um, now you got me confused, but it's kind of similar to that. Like you just pre-program it and it gets it centered and then you can kind of control it from there. So um, probably not exactly the same thing, but it's similar I, though. It's probably yeah. pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing the surgery, who do you have in there with you in the room with you? So we, we have uh, the standard OR crew, you know, we have the, the anesthetist or the anesthesiologist, and then you have um, I have my physician's assistant who's with me all the time, um, PA, and then we have a scrub tech uh, that's with us, um, just like a regular surgery. You have your circulating nurse, uh, somebody that, that's kind of running around getting everything you need. Um, and the only difference is uh, we have what's called a Mako product specialist, MPS guy, and he's the one that runs the robot. Um, and, and sometimes you also have a... a um, a rep of the product that you're using, but but in this case, in, in the, what, the way that I do it is the my MPS is also my rep, so I don't have another person in the room. But he's the one that run, runs the robot. He pushes the robot in and out, and uh, he's troubleshoots in, in case something's not working as anticipated. Um, and so he he's trained to to do the robot. He's also the one that preoperatively he uh, he plans the case and we go over it before the surgery um, to make sure that uh, we're in agreement with how it's gonna be be done. Um, so that the additional person is the, the robot or MPS guy, but it's really not an additional person in the room because ordinarily there would be a product rep in the room uh, of the implant. So it's, it's the same number of people essentially. So looking at me as an athletic trainer, I know there are lots of athletic trainers who are transitioning into, you know, maybe striker rep or um, any, any different facet of uh, the medical field. Um, do you have a place in the robotic surgery world for athletic trainers? So, so I think, you know, athletic trainers bring a lot to the table. I mean, they're, they're, they have a lot of skills that are helpful. Um, my, I have, my medical assistant is an athletic trainer um, and she, she's had a lot of field experience um, and, and it's helpful just from a patient care perspective and a knowledge perspective to have somebody with those skills set. Uh, 
specifically for the robot, I mean, there's not there's not anything special about uh, that that would require an athletic trainer. I think that, that what what an athletic trainer needs to know related to this is just the um, you know uh, the what it does, a little bit about how it works, you know, something about the advantages of it, uh, because just like any other healthcare professional, I think athletic trainers are used as resources in the community. People often ask, well, what do you think about this? And, um, you know, every, everybody's an expert. Uh, so, but I think the knowledge that they have uh, can be helpful. The other thing is just post-operatively talking to um, trainers because they, they have a lot to do with the activity level of patients and what they're uh, recommendations after the surgery. So I think it's helpful in that regard too. Okay. So definitely continuing to, to just know about the procedures. So tell me a little bit more about um, some of the benefits, why, what I would say to a, you know, a, a patient or a friend, a, a parent that is saying, Hey, I'm looking at robotic surgery. Have you heard about that? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is a little bit of a learning curve with it. Uh, initially, when you start doing it, uh, it takes a little bit longer to do than, than standard surgery. I think that's uh, one of the arguments people use against it. Uh, but once you've done some, uh, it, add, it adds minimal time to, to my surgeries now. In fact, I, I think I do them probably at least as quick or quicker than I did the, uh, the standard way of doing them. Uh, so length of time is not a real factor. But I, th I think that the advantage of doing it is, despite our best efforts, if you if you do things manually, is if you do anything manually, then you know that there's inherent human mistakes made. Or uh, you can be fooled visually, you can have illusions and optical um, changes that uh, you just, you don't get it right every time. It's not perfect every time. And with uh, instrumentation and the robot is an instrument or a tool, then you can improve that rate of getting it exactly where you want it. So I think that the reproducibility of the surgery is improved. The accuracy of the, the things that we're doing, we're trying to create um, exactly, um, when we're doing the cup, we want the exact same size that we put in we want the right angle for the cup to the placement of the cup to make the cup more stable. I mean, make the joint more stable. And then um, the uh, for the saw blade, the, the plane to be to be exact, more exact, more accurate. That way, the implants sit on the the bones uh, better. Um, so it just provides more accuracy, more reproducibility. Um, the X-rays are. are there's fewer outliers or fewer um, things that are outside what we want in, on x-ray, which at least theoretically should lead to, to better outcomes long-term. Fantastic. That's, yes. that's always a goal is reproducibility. You want the, the best outcome for the patient. Uh, right. Have some people opted to not use the robotic surgery, some of your patients? Have I had people not, not do it? Yes. Um, I think initially there was a lot of uh, misunderstanding about what what it, the robot did. People feared uh, the robot. I get a lot of questions about, have you ever had a robot go rogue on you? And the, uh, the answer is no. I mean, we've had 
we've been using it for five years and I think I've had um, one case where the robot really malfunctioned and we weren't able to do the case robotically. It's always good to, to have a surgeon that's skilled in doing it without the robot. You want, you want somebody that's done it without it. So that's not the time to learn that they don't know how to do it without it. Um, but that's only happened once, although I have had to abandon it on a couple of occasions where when you do the registration, which when you're putting the, the you have to uh, use a probe to, to target and to uh, map out the bone. And I have had a couple of occasions where the robot just wasn't reading it right. I mean, I, I could tell that that wasn't right. And so we've had to abandon it in that, that regard. But the robots never moved suddenly or never jerked or never attacked or <laughs> never cut anything it wasn't supposed to cut or saw anything it wasn't supposed to saw. So um, <clears throat> that's never been an issue. But to, so I think initially there was some fear <clears throat> by patients about you know, who, who's controlling the robot. And I think always the fear is, is that the robot has some autonomy to, to do things that it wants to do. And again, the surgeon's in control with this. There's no robot that can, can, at least at this point, that does things without the surgeon controlling it. So I've only had, so far in that five years, I've had one patient, you have to have a CT scan before the surgery because that, that we do all our planning and uh, templating off of the CT scan. And I've had one patient that was too afraid to get in the CT scanner. Um, and so he's he's been my only one that I've, I've not used the robot on. I gotcha. Right, do you have any uh, fun, cool stories about, you know, things that you've seen done or participated in? So, so I think just uh, from a human standpoint, I mean, I think the, the, the coolest thing we've done is to have patients that have had a tremendous deformities uh, come in. Um, we had one gentleman early on that had, had been in a wheelchair for a while and his knee motion, his knee motion was like minus 30 degrees of extension to about 60 or 70 degrees of flexion. And he, he had not been able to walk in about three to four years. Um, and that would have been a very, very difficult surgery to do manually. Um, and we used uh, the robot to, to do that. And uh, it, it significantly, he got to, he, he came back and at, after the second knee that we did, he, he was certainly been one of the most grateful patients that I've ever had. And so from a human, just a human aspect, it's improved quality of life like that. And again, the, 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 the more difficult the surgery before, uh, the better the robot. For, for standard knee replacements, we, we could do those pretty well manually, but the more deformity you have, if you have ligamentous instability or previous uh, surgery, you know, we see a lot of athletes now that, uh, that had ACL reconstruction or um, a lot of um, work done uh, in their athletic days. And then they come 20, 25, 30 years later and their knees are, or trashed, um, and a lot of those, the, the previous surgery can make it uh, somewhat difficult to do the surgery. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of the surgeries, the, the, um, the robot that we do with the CT scans, the planning, because a lot of these, these folks have previous, uh, if they've had previous surgery, they have screws in place or they have other things. So we'll, we can know in advance whether the screw is gonna get in our way. Um, and then have to decide whether or not we're going to chase that or can we leave it alone um, in the knee or the hip if they've had previous like acetabular surgery. 
and have screws around the hip, PAOs and um, things like that. So uh, it, it's come in handy for that. So I really, uh, other than saying that we, we named the robot a female because they're, we say they're moody, uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't have any specific uh, fun robot stories. <laughs> so I okay. put the question out on Twitter and someone asked, have you noticed a reduction in recovery times or improvements in outcomes? And that was from A2 Scoop on Twitter. Sure. So uh, I think two things. One, one we've noticed um, uh, a decreased dislocation rate uh, with the hips, which is really big. We've noticed, um, I think, a decreased uh, risk of manipulations after the knee replacements because the uh, I think the recovery time is is quicker, but I think the biggest thing is it's more consistent because you you you're not you don't have to do as many ligamentous releases and all. Um, it's one thing that is a misconception though is people often say, well, it's robotic. Does that mean it's minimally invasive? And it, it's not. I mean, it's still the same length of incisions. It's the same surgery. Um, the same structures are cut uh, as far as exposure goes. With the knee, though, we don't have to do as many releases because we can we can make our um, corrections with the bone cuts rather than having to do ligament releases, which is helpful for uh, recovery. So I think I think the recovery is a little quicker, but, but it's certainly more consistent. I think is is the key. All right. So uh, I got an, another question from Twitter. So Brown Bear on Twitter. He says, who gets the credit if there's a mistake? Do you blame the robot? Do you blame the surgeon? So I think it was a little tongue in cheek there, but um, <laughs> if, there's, if there's an issue like that, how do you reconcile? So I, I think, you know, each case would be different, but, but I think that, you know, ultimately, um, either fortunately or unfortunately, like the fo football quarterback, the surgeon's going to get the blame um, if something goes wrong. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, depending on the circumstances, certainly we could argue about uh, you know who, what, what percentage of fault it is of the different things, but uh, it, it, I mean the surgeon's responsible for for everything. They so they're ultimately responsible. Where do you see this going next? Well, I think, like I said, that I mean the the companies are hoping to expand it to other other surgeries, um, total ankle, total shoulder, and maybe. Uh, ACL reconstruction, osteotomies, and then um, and then I think that ultimately the you're going to get uh, more autonomy with the robot. That it's going to it's going to do a lot more of the surgery um, with less input from the surgeon, which is a little scary. It's kind of like you know like now people autonomous driving. You know how much how, what how much you're going to give uh, trust that versus taking your hands off the steering wheel and just letting the car drive. So, uh, so but I think that's where it's gonna go. The software is gonna continue to improve. Um, and I think the equipment will continue to improve. So, uh, and the, again, we're just ultimately, you're trying to improve the outcomes for patients. All right, fantastic. So um, Dr. Davis, if somebody wants to reach out, find out some more, get in, get, a told, get in touch with you, what's gonna be the best way to do that? So the telephone number is at, we're in Birmingham, Alabama, Andrew Sports Medicine, 205-939-3699 or andrewsportsmedicine.com. Andrewsportsmedicine.com. All right. Well, Doug Davis, like I said, I appreciate you working through uh, all the tech 
issues that we've had. Thanks for joining us here on the sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash robotic surgery. If you want to find out more, reach out uh, to Dr. Davis and his team. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it.